In this episode of Inspiration is Everywhere, Jane and I are starting a conversation about internal and external processing and how these concepts inform our lives. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Inspiration is Everywhere, a field guide for the storytellers of the world. This is a deconstruction arts podcast that examines the world around us and looks at how day-to-day inspirations can help storytellers create. I'm co-artistic director and explorer of thought, Jane Rose. And I'm Tavi Stutz, the other artistic director of deconstruction arts and a lover of love. On this episode of Inspiration is Everywhere, we are going to be talking about internal and external processing. So one thing that I love about this that I'm just so curious about what angle you chose to attack this from because you know it's like from a psychology standpoint the idea of internal and external processing is a thing Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's pretty interpretive in the context of our discussion like looking at internal processing external processing and how that relates back to inspiration yeah there's a lot of different ways to go about that there is and I just want to say first and foremost something that I found interesting when I was looking stuff up is that often people will say it as internal versus external processing. And to me, if it's something versus something, it means there's a winner and a loser. Like it's a game and there's a better way and a, and a not so good way. (laughs) So which one wins? (laughs) Yeah, right. Who wins? However, in the way that you've worded it, and I agree with the way that you're saying it, is internal and external processing, because there are two different ways of processing, and there's no right or wrong. Like, there's validity behind both of them and whatever works. Yeah, and I think what I found interesting of just thinking about this particular idea all by itself was then connecting it back to that idea of inspiration and thinking about if you're someone who more typically processes things internally, how does that then affect or does it how you're inspired and how you take in inspiration? Yeah, it's first and foremost to understand for myself if I was an internal or an external processor. So I actually had to spend a lot of time and I don't have an answer. I still don't have an answer. I think there are some things, you know, you'll hear like internal, it's in your own head. You need to go through some stuff and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. in order to understand and whatever. And then they'll say like tools for that would be meditation or writing in a journal or doing your own sort of thing. Meanwhile, I do, I go out for walks in the woods by myself. I do my yoga practice. They'll say, I do my meditation practice. Like I do a whole bunch of stuff. I'll do drawings, I'll do art projects, whatever. That's all by myself and for me. And often there's no music on. It's just me like spending time with myself. So I'm like, there's that part of it. But then the external processing is like, or do you need to call someone and talk over something or signs of an internal processor or people that are often quiet because they're, you know, lost in their own thoughts. And I was like, can I just be quiet without having to process? Yeah, well, and it's like the characteristics that I commonly found associated with internal processing are, as you described, somebody who likes to take time, filter through thoughts, wants to be prepared, wants to take notes, wants to, you know, it's like go through some sort of like reflective process on information. 
that is solo driven as opposed to an external processor that would enjoy brainstorming and yes, calling somebody, bouncing ideas off of them, kind of talking through the things in real time. So it's like, it felt a little bit like internal dialogue on one end and external dialogue on the other end. I, I think for myself, I tend to be a little bit more internal processing mm -hmm. than external processing. I know that that's not 100%. But I would say just knowing you over the years and seeing our partnership grow and develop and change is that you started very, I would agree with you in, in how we started our this collaboration and that it was very much like you'd come to the table and you're like, here's a thing. And like, that's what it was. And it was done, whatever it was, that's what it was. And it was done. And then through whatever the years and the different projects and the whatever of whatever we're bringing up and going through and discovering, it totally changed. I'll talk to you and, and you'll come back with ideas and there'll be a lot more back and forth in discussion, which isn't saying that you don't do the other anymore. You still have your thoughts and come prepared. I, I would say that if anything, I feel like I've adapted to an external processing focus. It doesn't mean I'm not internally processing it. Yeah. It usually means that I'll hear the things and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go away now. Yeah. I'll come back later and I'll tell you what I think about it. So it's like, it's still internal processing. It's, yeah. just, a, it's just a way that internal processing can then work. And I'll say that I, I don't always enjoy external processing mm. because I don't always think that it leads to my best ideas. Like, let's remove us for a second and just like look at it from a big general scope. Yeah. To be like truly externally processed, that would mean every single thing is thought about and decided on in collaboration in real time. Yeah. And, and that's not really how I've discovered my brain works. I feel like I'm 50-50 on this because when I am in rehearsal or I'm working with dancers or I'm working with actors and I'm teaching them movement, then I feel I have to be there with them and creating it on their bodies because I don't know their bodies. Yeah. Versus if I'm working with a professional company of dancers and I'm putting some movement on them, then I know that there's probably going to be some sort of skill level and I can have them do whatever I can dream up but working with actors and putting movement on them then I feel like I have to be open to what they bring to the table and yes I'm going to challenge them and encourage them to do more than they think that they can do but I have to be open to that collaboration process in real time with them. Which is really interesting to hear you talk about that because I think that my my personal process was what you're describing in reverse because I, I, I feel like I'm, if I really reflect and I reflect back through my, like my whole life, I think I'm a natural internal processor. And I think that I've learned how to be an external processor when I need to. And what's even more sort of nuanced and interesting about that is that the areas that I then found in entertainment and specifically theater don't actually call for much continuous collaboration like mm -hmm. gravitating towards sound design, a lot of that exchange is you'll have a meeting with a director and you'll discuss ideas. 
And it's more like an info dump. Like <laughs> I come in with my ideas, the director comes in with their ideas. We see what's, which ones are kind of lining up. I'll get a couple new notes and then I go away. Then you go away and you do your thing. And I do my work and then I'll come back and say, will you listen to this? And then we do another thing and then I go away <laughs> and then I do my work. So I found that even with external processors, it's not that they're willing to speak with everyone or talk through their stuff with everyone, that there's a select group of people that they want to collaborate with or talk through their ideas or talk things out or whatever. But what I found interesting with this stuff is like, where does, where does this connect in with uh, inspiration and being inspired by someone and then, or being inspired by something and then, your internal or external processing, and then what do you do with that inspiration? So, and and again, this one I was also 50-50 on, that sometimes I'll see something and it's amazing dancing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I, wanna, I wanna dance again. I miss dancing, I miss moving my body. I'm, you know, like I miss being on the stage or whatever. And then I feel inspired to do that. But it's a very personal thing, whether that's me just like dancing around in my living room or in my backyard, or, but it's, it's very, I would say internal, but I don't, it's. Well, I mean, I can jump in because there's a couple of things that I thought about in terms of this is like, so inspiration is definitely still the little seed. And what it feels like we're talking about is then how do you take that inspiration and apply whether you're an internal processor or an external processor, or if you sort of do both, establishing which one should be used. So as I was thinking about this, if I'm creating something by myself, like let's say I'm just making an act, someone's hired me to do an act and they've given me some guidelines to go with, but the rest of it is up to me. That's internal processing 100%. Like Mm -hmm. I don't need anybody else's input or feedback. And most of the time I find it counterproductive You know, it's like maybe at the very end, I'll have someone put eyes on it and give me a little bit of like feedback notes, but that isn't, you know, a part of the creative process. Well, it's a part of it, but it's your... (laughs) No, but it's not about the creation. Right. Like the the idea already exists. It's not like I'm trying to think about what story I'm telling. Right. You're not collaborating. You're just like, do you have some notes for this piece? Yeah. Like, can I point my feet? Is there a section that doesn't make sense? You know, like where you didn't get the story. Those are, those are just feedback as opposed to creative collaboration. If I'm in an instance where I'm being brought on, hired, what have you for a specific role, then it's kind of that balance between like a little bit of external processing of information and then lots of internal processing because I'm just gathering information and then going and doing a thing and then getting continuous reflection. If the only place where I feel I've trained myself to be predominantly external is if I've decided that something is going to be a creation between two people, and that's where some of our work comes in, Mm -hmm. where we want it to be the, the outcome of both of our ideas Mm-hmm. And and not just one person's idea that then gets developed. Right. And I'll say that I have to actively stop myself from internally processing 
and going into my thing because then I will have already decided on ideas. Yeah. But that's something that I've noticed about the manner in which I can observe myself sort of moving from inspiration through creative process to product. So you're an internal processor then through and through. I've learned, like I, like I think I said a little earlier, I'm yeah. an internal processor who's learned how to deal with external processing. Mm. I, I still feel like I'm 50-50, which is weird because most things that I've read, it's like, here's the internal processor, here's the external processor. And I'm like, I fit into both of those sometimes depending on what the situation is. Did you ever take the Myers-Briggs personality test? So like, you know, it says like, you're a thinker, you're a feeler. And usually you're like, your bar is like way far off to one side or the other side Mm -hmm. of what it is. And all the personality traits that are in the Myers-Briggs test, I was right down the middle, like no more than 5% off in any direction. The only one I'm like that for is thinking and feeling. Mm. The other ones all show a clear, like, again, I'm not 100% introverted, but I'm more introverted than I am extroverted. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'd actually like to retake that test again, because I'm curious, because I know that a lot of the ways that I am extroverted are learned as opposed to innate. Mm. And since you've had more time learning that you've been on this planet now, you think it may have, your responses may have changed? Yeah, or just because I'm aware of it now, of the ways in which I perform extrovertism. Mm. Again, because I oddly was drawn to things that typically introverts don't do. Yeah, that is going to be another discussion, though, introvert introvert and extrovert. Yeah, so we'll hold off on that, on deep diving into that. Yeah, which is very, I mean, delightfully tangential of us, as we tend to do. But it is interesting, though, that in whatever, just finding different articles or podcasts or whatever to listen to that people really are talking about internal and external processing. And they often will bring up being an introvert or an extrovert as part of it and saying that they're different things, which just to clarify, we also believe that they are different things, that there is often overlap between the two, but they are different. And then the introvert and extrovert is about where you gather your energy from. Well, and like so many things in life, you can train yourself to be different than you are. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's like, so if you naturally fall into a, you know, a process that's external, you can learn to sit with your thoughts and reflect on them. It's just going to take practice similar to sort of what I feel my journey was where it's like, I've learned to be a better collaborator through practicing some external processing tools. It, it got me also thinking about different projects that I've been on. I feel like this is a wonderful thing to know exists. And when working with people, knowing if they are an internal or external processor can help the whole process. Yes, 100%. Right? And, and knowing for yourself as well, you know, kind of do a, do a little assessment. So um, we'll get to it and give you guys some a more specific exercise to, to do. It'll probably be pretty simple and things that we've, 
you know, pulled together from our different readings, but knowing where you kind of fall in the, in the spectrum of external to inter internal processing so that you can express it. And then also being able to recognize in others. Yeah. Cause it can really help people, I think, communicate and better understand one another if, and I would almost say even more so than knowing if someone's an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. Because where someone gets their energy from is like, okay, cool. You've got energy. Like do what you need to do. Okay. Now you've got energy, but this is like internal processing versus external pressing is more like, how are we going to relate to one another? Yeah. And, and what type of time do you need to actually have understood an idea really felt that you have personal command over it and can add to it, explain it, you know, actually work with it. So yeah. it's like, I think that, you know, it's like an internal processor who is put in a scenario that is external processing based, like say you got put onto an advertising team and you're coming up with new campaigns, like there's going to be collaborative work, like brainstorming and tossing out ideas. If you don't recognize your internal processing and aren't, aren't able to communicate it, your ideas are all going to get railroaded. Oh, for sure. Because you're just not going to be able to keep up. Like you're going to spend so much time trying to think about the information because you, you just right. don't process in real time. Or you do, but you want to bounce it around in your own head before you come out and say something. Like That's one of my favorite things about you is that you'll be like, okay, I've had an idea. It's either brilliant or terrible. <laughs> now let's hear it. And then, um, right, that you like to do that, the caveat before giving what the idea is. And I think that's super fun. And that sounds like such an internal processing, like a tool of an internal processor would be like, I've had an idea and I want to share it, but I don't know. I haven't done my, like my thoughts on it to know if it's good or not good yet. Yeah. But we're in this collaboration process. So here we go. Well, and it's like, I'll regularly come out of, you know, the bathroom, my office, doing an exercise, whatever. I'll come into the kitchen and say to my husband, I had an idea. And he goes, that's not new. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And you share. That's so funny. You're like, so I have an idea. Here's what's really interesting. I'm then just presenting it because I've already worked through it usually. Yeah. I've learned to present it in ways where I'm like, there's some options because then I come off as less controlling. <laughs> but usually I've already decided. We're like, but usually that's funny. Well, and then there's like the idea of, of being opinionated. It's so, it's so funny. It's like there's so many different aspects or elements to cultivating an opinion or a what or an idea or a thought or whatever wherever it's coming from i think everybody's opinionated yeah for sure <laughs> i think that we just get different levels of training at expressing our opinions clearly <laughs> productively gently kindly as opposed to abrasively harshly yeah also. ideally right yeah, I think that everybody has a different skill level with expressing their opinions, but I think everybody has opinions. I think the way that we form our opinions is where the internal and external comes in. 
Right. What I'm reading from this, and you, you maybe you disagree, that'll be fun if you do, um, is that external processors want outside influence to help determine what their opinion is. Not like they're swayed more easily, but that they'd like to, as a part of the development process, mm-hmm. hear other options. To my understanding, it wasn't necessarily that they wanted to hear other people's opinions on anything. It said they just wanted to talk through it. Mm. What I had found, and this is probably also different for each external processor, that some people want to hear people's opinions and others are just like, I want to talk and talk and talk and talk. It's like they don't understand their own thoughts until they hear themselves say it versus an internal processor will do it in their own head. Yeah. I found this really sweet podcast called Clarity on Fire with these two sweet girls, Kristen and Rachel, who super funny as they just like, just like funny and that they're really sweet as they're talking and they're life coaches and they seem really sincere and sweet. And one of the things that they say on like how to tell if you're an external processor is you have a hard time keeping your thoughts and feelings inside, especially when you're stressed or overwhelmed, (laughs) which is like, you're not necessarily wanting to hear anyone. You're just like venting aloud. (laughs) Right? Yeah. People in your life generally know how you feel about most things. Or when you're trying to sort out your thoughts and feelings, you're more likely to call up a friend to talk through it. But one like thing that they had pointed out is that as an external processor, if you're talking to someone, you might find yourself getting frustrated if someone tries to like jump to the end, Mm. right? Because it's about processing it. Like you still have to process whatever it is that if you're like, I'm feeling this and they're like, well, blah, blah, blah. And they give you the answer. You're like, but I didn't get to process it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. I'm trying to figure out where my brain goes with that and processing. (laughs) And it has to happen inside. (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious i do think this though is the biggest thing then for i love that this has come up because it's true you are definitely an internal processor and i think i'm i do still think i'm in between internal and external but i'm i can very much be external and just like talk through something and go through it and blah 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 yeah that's so funny and you're like i just need a moment of silence it's like, let me think about what you said. Hmm. <laughs> Makes for a quality podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just like moments of silence. Go right ahead and leave in those those three minutes of silence that it took me to, to come up with a response. <laughs> so people can really get the the true, you know, feeling <laughs> of what this is like. Uh, that's hilarious. They're like, the podcast really only needs to be 15 minutes, but it was 45 minutes of silence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they processed. Uh, My question, and this was a little bit because of, you know, some things that I've been doing personally that that don't have to necessarily do with this podcast or or deconstruction arts or anything like that. And also because the, the sections that we were working on prior to this were about Uh, motivation and discipline and the person that we ended up spotlighting as a part of that was someone uh, Deepak Chopra if you haven't listened to that particular section talking about 
you know, different, different things of him being motivational, but one of the components with that was meditation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I was curious if you had an opinion, Tavi, on whether internal or external processors would have an easier or more difficult time with meditation. And I was drawing from myself because one of the things that I have a lot of issue with in meditating is making my brain shut up. Yeah. I could see where you were going with this, like a mile away. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, because, right. Because if you're an internal processor, that means your mind is going whenever you have your time to yourself, you're like, okay, I'm processing whatever this is because that's how you process. But it's also funny that it's often said like important tools that if you are an internal processor, maybe these tools would work really well for you, which is like- One of them is meditation. And one of them is meditation. But I had the same thought where I was like, but if you're an intern, if you're always processing, then like when, when do you turn the mind off? What I will say, however, is that with meditation, there's so many different kinds of meditation out there, but with meditation, you can still, especially at the beginning, when you're starting out in meditation, or maybe you've been doing it for many years, you can still focus on something. Like if if your mind is one that needs to have focus, that just to be in the quiet doesn't exist for your mind, you can still focus, but focus on your breath. So what you're thinking is like inhale and maybe you're counting your inhale and exhale and maybe you're counting your exhale. Maybe you're at the top of your inhale. Maybe you sustain that breath for a while. And at the bottom of your exhale, maybe you keep your body empty of breath for a minute and then you take another inhale. So you can still be thinking about something, maybe not solving the problems of the world. Maybe, maybe if we all (laughs) breathe together, we would solve the problems of the world. Wouldn't that be lovely? But yeah, I was just curious about that because, you know, that is something, meditation is something that I struggle with. I I haven't, you know, thrown in the towel. I'm still working on it. Yeah. But then what I've noticed is that if I'm going to do like a silent, unguided meditation, I can currently only do that for a very short amount of time. For like 14 seconds, <laughs> start like the timer. Two minutes, you know, like that's kind of where I tap out. Yeah. But that's where judgment comes in, right? So if you have the opinion of what is a, a, the right way of meditating or the wrong way of meditating, then it's like, oh, I'm not doing, so a thought comes in, you're like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Well, that's okay. Like the thought comes in, pay attention to the thought, see what it is and like, let it go and return back to your breath. But with a guided meditation, especially a live guided meditation, mm-hmm. I can go for a really long time. Yeah. Well, usually because they're giving you something to focus on. Correct. It sounds like your mind is one that, that wants to be occupied with thought. Yeah. Mine's no thought in my mind. All <laughs> <laughs> joking aside, it's true. That's how our brains are, right? There's often thoughts that are going swirling around dancing around in and out my mind is usually one that i have like 14 different ideas that are bouncing all at the same time and it's usually pretty hard for me to focus on just one even with my projects i'll be like painting on something for five minutes and then i'm like oh wait i gotta go do this and then i gotta go do this and then i've got this project in the garden that i'm working on i'm doing right or like oh i gotta write this and i gotta read this and i gotta get to that well what i was gonna say is that just thinking about inspiration connecting back to this 
mm-hmm. I do find is that as far as inspiration, I have a very tough time getting inspired from an external processing exchange. And instead it's like, if I let myself calm down, you know, whether I'm trying to meditate or not or whatever I'm doing, if I let myself just be calm. And usually if I do a, an activity, you know, like that's why I always joke that like the shower is my best place is because not a very complex set of physical actions, but it gives the body something to do. Mm-hmm. And that then just letting the ideas kind of flow and sort of thinking through them, processing them as it were, that's where inspiration will often occur. Mm. And it, it could be with, you know, cause it's like, I similarly feel that I often have many threads of ideas that are constantly running through and then I'll see something and that'll add to the pile and then I'll hear something and that'll add another thing to the pile. You know, so it's like, it's always kind yeah. of, stirring around in there, but I do need to be quiet and let those things just kind of interact with each other inside my head. Yeah. And if I try and talk about them, it actually completely disrupts the process. Mm. Like I distract myself (laughs) from it, like the action of making it come out of my mouth. That's hilarious. Suddenly destroys the process. Yeah when you're processing or going through something, it's like you're blowing up a balloon, but if you take the time to talk, then you're not blowing up the balloon. Yeah. Right? Like the air is going somewhere else. This, this is a question for internal processors everywhere. <laughs> if there's no judgment on it of like, this is going to be great or this is going to be terrible. If it's just, here's a thing and I'm presenting it. Like, I wonder if external processors feel less about judgment so they can allow themselves to sort of blah, 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 and process aloud versus internal processors feeling like there's going to be some sort of judgment. And it's like, I have to get through all of this before I can allow myself to be open to some sort of judgment. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Right? Right. I'm not, I'm not either. <laughs> if anyone out there has opinions, please let us know. Please share them with us. Wow. Well, I had some thoughts on some exercises that people could do, and maybe you had some as well. Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. Let's share. So first one I would say is for for people to just do the the little rudimentary assessment of themselves and Mm -hmm. sort of take stock of which one you are. So taking some time to think through and kind of answer for yourself, do you prefer to call a friend and talk through uh, an issue? Do you like to to brainstorm uh, through ideas as opposed to do you need to sit and think about things? Do you enjoy being informed about what you are to expect? I think that was one that came up in, in one of the lists as well mm-hmm. of having information about a meeting before the meeting happens. You can do prep work. Yeah. So that you can come in with ideas already prepared as opposed to like a true brainstorming session where you come in with nothing and then on the fly create that. So I think first one is to kind of get a sense of which one you fall into. Mm-hmm. And you may be like Tavy, where you're kind of pretty balanced between them. And you may be like me, where you are really on one end of, uh, of the spectrum. 
and maybe have developed some skills on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. So developing that and then two sides of, of the spectrum then for our external processors to find something that is currently inspiring to you and then call a trusted friend and talk through that inspiration. So it's really simple, <laughs> like just trying to practice that. And then on the internal side, same starting prompt of identify something that you are currently very inspired by, then take two to five minutes just to think about like really like let all of the thoughts kind of settle, permeate, sort through them, and then start writing in very like stream of consciousness. <laughs> don't worry about word choice. Don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about punctuation. Kind of in the same way that mm -hmm. the that the external processor would talk through, mm -hmm. take what you've thought about and then get it into a, a, a form that you can use later. I would also encourage people to do both. Ideally, we're getting inspired constantly. Like try something, get be inspired and write it and do the write down, whether you're an internal or an external processor, like get what it feels like to be an internal processor. And then also get the idea of what it feels like to be an external processor. And then see how they're different for you and see where they reside and like how that feels in your body. That's cool. Yeah. So thank you everyone for, for joining us on our, our, our thoughts on internal and external processing and how it uh, affects and relates back into inspiration. What we're going to be taking this into in our next episode is talking about different acting methodologies. Part of what we were thinking in terms of not focusing on a person per se, but focusing on different performance theories is being able to sort of unpack a little bit which ones of these performance or acting methodologies would fall into an internal process and which ones would fall into an external process. And something that will definitely appeal to any of our performer listeners, but something that also can be quite helpful for anybody who needs to, at some point in their life, make a presentation, be it to a large audience, virtual or live, or even just a very small presentation to two or three people that these are different techniques that could also help with that as well. So you can also then sort of learn about this methodology and then be like, oh, well, I'm an internal processor. So I'm, I would geared toward this type of putting on a presentation. Or are you like, oh, I like this sort of technique that must make me an internal processor. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Um, so in the meantime, feel free to catch up on any past episodes that maybe you haven't uh, gotten a chance to listen to yet. Please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Link to our website in the show notes. You can also always email us at deconstructionarts at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. We would love to have you be a part of this conversation. Yeah. I'd love to hear what people have to say. And it would be super fun to not only read the comments, but also share those that come in. So please do if you have a moment. 
And remember that inspiration truly is everywhere. So once you've gone through your processing, whether it be internal or external, from that inspiration, enjoy it. Take a moment at some point to stop. Stop everything. Just take a deep conscious breath and be inspired. 